I am excited to be here. My name is Zach Cawthorn. If you know me, great. If you don't, great. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. My wife and I, we've been living in India for the last six years. Um, and for the last 10 at least years of our lives, God has pushed us into one thing, and that is to be disciple makers of those who have never heard, the most least reached people in the world. That's why we're in India. That's our heart. That's been our heart for at least the last 10 years. Um, and so my passion, aside from Jesus Christ, has been making disciples and talking to people and discipling them up in the Lord um, that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's interesting and fun, especially fun for me whenever I get to come to a place where people do know Jesus and I can pour into them and see a little bit of discipleship come to them. Um, so before I get started, I just want to talk to you guys a little bit about ice cream cake. I love ice cream cake. It's the one thing in this world that I have very little um, self-control over. Whenever I see ice cream cake, I just want to dive into it and eat all of it. Um, every birthday, ice cream cake is what I want. Every birthday for my kids, ice cream cake is what I want. Every birthday for my wife, ice cream cake is what I want. It's expensive, and especially Dairy Queen ice cream cake, especially Dairy Queen. Um, and, you know, seeing it is one thing I can have a little bit of, of self-control and step away from it. But whenever I taste it, whenever I taste it, I've got to cut a half of that cake, and I just have to devour it until it makes me throw up, basically. That's about how I am. Um, so tonight, I'm giving you guys a condensed version of a three-day training that we do, a three-day training on discipleship, a three-day training on how to disciple people who don't know Jesus and other people who do know Jesus, how to disciple yourself, how to disciple your family, and how to be a disciple. Um, but I'm condensing it down. We've got about 30, 45 minutes here. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into it, okay? So my job tonight is to give you a taste of ice cream cake so that you just have to eat the whole cake, so that you have to. Jesus is so good that when we taste and we see him, we just have to devour him. We have to. And that's my prayer for us tonight. Jesus Christ, we come to you and we thank you so much for who you are, for what you've done for us, for what you're doing for us, Jesus. I am so thankful, so thankful for you, Jesus. God, we just pray that our hearts would be soft tonight, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and that you would give us that taste, God, and we would have to devour you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are going to be bouncing around the scriptures so much tonight. So if you need notes or if you would like notes or if you take notes and you feel like you didn't catch everything, please ask me afterwards. I would love to email you my notes so that you can um, read over it and pour over it if you'd like to. Um, but I'm also going to give you a handout later on that's going to tell you a little bit more about what we're talking about and about the process that we're doing. What I'm going to do is I'm going to try to talk to you for about 15 to 18 minutes. And then after that, I'm going to put some tools in your hands to actually do discipleship. It's the way that we disciple people. It's what we do with unbelievers. It's what we do with believers. It's what I do in my household. It's what we do with our kids. Um, it is a discipleship process. So hopefully we can do it. All right. What is discipleship? What is discipleship? What does it look like? What is it? Most people get scared by the word whenever they honestly think about it. Ta thoughts come up in their head. They say, 
you know, I, I, I don't really know how to do that. I'm not holy enough. I'm not worthy enough to be discipled. Um, you know, or I go, I go to church and I'm discipled by my pastor. Whenever he preaches on Sunday, that's where I get my discipleship in. Um, but that's not necessarily true. It's not necessarily the, the truth of everything. We think of the 12 apostles or 12 disciples and all the great, wonderful, and sometimes bonehead things that we did, that they did. And uh, we think, how could I do miracles? How can I mess up like Peter and Thomas? There are lots of different emotions and thoughts that creep up whenever this discipleship word is thrown around. I'm here to tell you that that's okay. You know, it's okay to have those emotions. But hopefully tonight we can quell some of those emotions and some of those thoughts, and we can give you a brief overview of what discipleship looks like. Um, And we can put some of those tools in your hands for you to feel, one, better equipped to be, one, a disciple, and two, a discipler, to be a disciple maker. So we're going to start with the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 says... Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Jesus said to go and make what? Disciples. Most of us, whenever we hear that, most of us think go and make converts. Jesus didn't say make a convert. A convert is what we call in India. India, whenever you follow your papers, you have to list if you're a Christian, if you're a Hindu, if you're a Muslim, if you're a Jain, if you're a Buddhist. And based on what you put and what caste that you put in, that gets the, the, the um, rations that you get. So for most people, in the lowest caste of Hinduism, if you say that you're of this caste and you're this low, then whenever you res- write that on your paper, then you get rations. Or you get rations at a really low price so that you can have food to eat. To change your name to a Christian means that you don't get any of that. You are now outside of the caste system. You're above the caste system. You're on the top. So you don't do it. So a lot of Christians inside of India have never changed their name. But what a convert does is a convert goes and they change their name so that they can be a Christian. They can sit inside of a pew and that's it. Yeah, what are you? I'm a Christian. But that's it. That's it. It's just changing your name on a piece of paper. Many of us have an idea of discipleship as I go to church on Sundays, and that idea of evangelism is inviting our friends to church on Sundays so that our pastor can preach to us, and that's your idea of evangelism. Um, Although these thoughts are not bad, they're also not right. They're not the right thing. We are all called to go and make disciples. We're all called to go and be disciples. We are all called to. We are not just called, but we are also commanded. Just to make this clear, every one of us that calls, that is calls themselves by the name of the Lord is one, to be a disciple, and two, to make disciples. What is a disciple? Let's look at what it is. The standard meaning, the standard meaning is someone who adheres to a teaching of another. So you can be a disciple of John Madden, because you listen to everything that John Madden says about about football. You eat up everything that he is. You are John Madden's disciple. If you don't know anything about John Madden, I'm sorry. He's a football guru guy. Um, At least he has a a football game now. Um, But it, it is to follow, to learn, and become like the one who we are learning from. Specifically as a believer or as a Christian, it is to listen to follow, obey, and become like Christ. 
and only like Christ. We are to be little Christ. That's what the name Christian means, little Christ. If we look at the Gospels of Jesus, we see that Jesus spoke to a whole lot of people. He fed 5,000 people, men and women, well, 5,000 men, women and children not counted, a whole bunch more of that. He did 4,000 another time. Jesus had a whole bunch of followers at different times. His crowd swelled to these huge numbers. And then Jesus would turn around to him and he would say, foxes have holes and birds have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he would say other things like, go let the dead bury their dead, but you come and follow me. That's from, uh, where am I? Matthew 8, 19 and 22. Then the crowds would dwindle down to about the original 12 or so. What's the difference between these 12 and the rest of these people? Really, the difference was commitment. Whenever Jesus looked at the disciples and said, hey, why aren't you leaving? They said, we don't have anywhere else to go. You have the words of life. This is where we have to be to receive the words of life. They sat at his feet. They were the ones that didn't leave him. They were the ones who were with him daily, walking, talking, and eating with him. They were the true. They were the true. The same can be said of any disciples. We are only disciples if we're committed to Jesus, if we give our all to Jesus. We have to be willing to follow him above what other people think about us, over our possessions, our families, our careers. To be a disciple is to be sold out, really to be sold out. I love the phrase to walk in the dust of your rabbi. Um, if you've ever heard that phrase before, what it means is that you are walking so close behind someone to catch every word that they're saying, to hear everything that they're saying, that you're literally being caked in the dust from their feet while they're walking. I don't know anybody that walks like this, that's kicking up dust, but the streets of India are super dusty. And as you walk behind people, you're constantly doing this to get around them because you don't want to get caked in the dust behind them. But if you walk close to somebody and you're talking to them in their ear, or listening to what their conversation is doing, then you literally get dust on you something that I've kind of learned as we got there. Um, that's really what the 12 disciples did. So you're asking yourself, okay, Zach, what does this mean for me? It means that we're all one to be looking at our lives and seeing if we are truly disciples of Christ. And two, look at how we can become better disciples of him. Because discipleship really comes down to four things. I'm going to hit these four things rather quickly, and then we're going to do some exercises in discipleship um, and hitting these four things through it. What are those four things? One, a willingness to learn or teachability. Two, life on life, living life with each other. Three, obedience. And four, accountability. Um, I'm going to take a brief look at these four things, but first I'm going to flip to Acts 2. Very first church in Acts 2. 42 through 47 says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and prayer. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and, and belongings and distributing their, their, their blah, distributing the proceeds to all as he had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, day by day, 
those who are being saved. Right there in that passage, in the early churches, the first churches we kind of see after Pentecost, the first church comes together. You can see all four of those things. A willingness to learn, guys walking life, doing life on life together, obedience, and then accountability. They were breaking up and giving everything as everybody needed. Um, so yeah, let's, let's take a look at these four things. A willingness to learn. You can't be a disciple or be discipled if you have a hard heart or you're prideful. I personally am a very prideful person at times. I have a tendency to beat my chest and be like, I'm Zach Calthorn. That ain't happening to me. I'm Zach Calthorn. A couple of days ago, I saw this video online of a guy who challenged a buffalo. Maybe some of you guys saw it. In Yellowstone, guy, this buffalo sitting in the middle of the road. The guy gets up there and he's like, whoa, whoa, trying to get this buffalo. I've been to Yellowstone before. I've been around buffaloes. And those things are not things to be trifled with. As you can imagine, you know, it kind of, Kind of went as you, th- as you would think it happened. The buffalo charged at him. The guy ran away. The buffalo charged at him again. The guy ran away. Thankfully, he didn't get hurt. Um, but as I was thinking of this, I-, I remembered something from my own past. About 10 years ago, whenever I was 21, I went on a trip to Yellowstone National Park um, and with about seven or eight of my friends, and we decided we wanted to try to slap a moose on its rear end. <laughs> that was our goal, was to slap a moose on its rear end. And we went hiking in the woods one day, and we saw this moose, Actually, this kind of three or four moose right by the edge of the river. And we said, this is our chance. And so we crept up on this moose. And he wasn't paying any attention to us. He didn't care about us. Um, but if I could just tell, we, we thought we were fast enough. We can get away from We just slap it and run. You know, we're, we're fast. We're young. We're 21. We can do this. If I could just plant this thought in your mind for a second. If 99 people out of 100 can't do something, odds are you can't do it. You're not that special. We are special people. God has made each one of us individually special. But odds are that just ain't going to happen. You're going to get destroyed. You're going to get broken. Not all of us can be LeBron James. Not all of us can be Mike jo- Mike, uh, Michael, J- Michael Jordan or Michael Johnson, the sprinter. Not all of us can be those people. Um, but yeah, so long story short, we got within about five feet of this moose. I was about from here to this stand of this moose. And I'm sitting there and I got my hand up. And I had this revelation of, Calthorn, you're not special. This moose is going to destroy you. Well, I'm really glad that in that moment, I realized I was in, uh, in for a whole lot of pain if I slapped this moose. Not just me, but the other four, I won't call them idiots, but idiots that were behind me. Um, I know that that's a silly story, but in life, all the time, we are really unwilling to learn. We are hard-hearted. We look at people's situations. We look at who they are. We look at what they're saying. We disagree with what, they're, what they want. It's, it's against what we believe, and we're unwilling to learn. So we've had pain happen, and we've closed off that part of our heart or something. We've hardened our heart, and we're unwilling to learn. And what happens is we actually, um, we actually bring a lot of pain on us and a lot of pain on the people around us because of that, just like if you went and slapped a moose on the rear end. <laughs> I find this especially true with church-going people. To be honest with you, with church-going people. We don't actually read the scriptures, but we have very strong-willed opinions on certain things about God. The only truth we have really is the Word of God. The Word of God is constantly able to teach and is, con- and is breathed out by God. That's 2 Timothy 
God is the word is ready to be for reproof and teaching. It's just it's just there for us. It's ready. You have to have a willingness to learn from those around you. I once had a guy to come to work for me. I worked for my dad. My dad had a um, commercial maintenance business. And from the time I was 14 until the time I was 22, I had to work inside of his business. Um, and at about 18, I was manager over some of his stuff. And I had this guy come to work for me. He was about 24. And uh, he could not be told anything. He was an expert on everything, had never been in that field before, never done any of that stuff before. But he was an expert. Could not be trained anything. Could not be told anything. Say, hey, man, that's a wrench. He says, no, it's a screwdriver. You're like, all right. Okay. Well, he kind of went as you would expect. The guy destroyed a lot of things. He made a lot of really bad decisions. After about four or five days, we had to fire him because he just would not bend. He would not submit. You know, that's because of his stubbornness and his unwilling to learn, unwillingness to learn. A lot of us are like that with Jesus. We have to be willing to learn. You have to be quick to listen. But you have to make sure that you take heed to those you're giving your heart and your soft ears and your soft heart to listen to. Make sure that the scriptures and that Jesus are the focus and not those on people's thoughts. As you can see right now, I haven't, I haven't listed a whole bunch of scriptures. I have listed some. I'm just telling you stuff right now. Because we're going to get in the scriptures here in just a little while and we're going to look at some stuff. And the scripture, we're going to let the scriptures talk to you. But have a soft heart and listen. The disciples constantly sat at Jesus' feet to hear and soak up what he was saying. We as disciples should also be doing the same thing. You can look at a disciple and know if they're a disciple by if they're sitting at Jesus' feet. A disciple of Jesus sits at his feet. They're in the scriptures. They're listening to teachings. They're loving Jesus more than man. Truth. You can check out on your own life if that's true. Let's move on to the next point, life on life. Lots of folks think the discipleship is a weekly meeting over coffee to talk about the week or to be challenged in the scriptures. You're not wrong in that, but discipleship is so much more than that. Discipleship is a life on life grind where things go. If you meet with somebody every week where you're just sitting down kind of talking about things and doing coffee with them, what happens when you miss a week? What happens when you miss two weeks? It's over. Believe me, I've done discipleship like that, where I've sat down with guys. Whenever I was in college, that was what I thought discipleship was. I would sit down with guys. Uh, we would have a meeting two or three times. would go great. The fourth time, they wouldn't show up, or I would not be able to go, or somebody would be sick. The fifth time, oh, it was, didn't happen again. The sixth time, it was over. Nothing else. It was done. Discipleship is a life-on-life -life encounter. It's a day-in, day-out living and learning. As we just read in Acts 2, it says that they continued meeting in each other's homes daily. They were meeting in the synagogues. They were meeting in each other's homes. They were breaking bread. That's a life-on-life -life encounter. That's them being together daily. To be able to actually walk in the dust of someone, you actually have to be walking with that person. I can't say that I'm walking in the dust of Trevor if I'm not walking behind Trevor, if I don't ever see Trevor, if I see Trevor once every blue moon. I can't be walking with Trevor. I don't know about you, but I'm an expert at hiding things. I'm an expert at hiding things. Probably the best in my family, I'd say. But my kids are getting there. They're getting pretty good. My wife, who's in my house every day, um, can find out just about anything that I hide. 
just about anything. This past Mother's Day, um, I had a wonderful idea. I said, hey, I'm going to paint some stuff on canvas. The boys are going to paint some of her favorite memories. I am not creative at all. Uh, you should see my handwriting. It, my, literally, my four-year-old has better handwriting than I do. Um, so you can imagine what my painting looked like. But I was like, you know, Lee's going to love it. This will be wonderful, creative. So two, two, the two weeks before Mother's Day, um, I started these paintings with the boys, and we were doing all these paintings. About a week out from Mother's Day, we finished. And it, we did it over a week when Lee, like, Lee was gone over here and gone over there. So every time that she was gone, we'd bust out these things, and we would get to painting. Um, well, Lee's a good detective, and she's following stuff out. And you know, the, after we finished the very last one, I was so proud and so happy. I'd, I'd hidden everything really good. Um, she comes home, and she finds some paint in Salem's hair. And she goes, were you guys painting? What were you painting? And I'm like, huh, what? Hey, Elisha, what are you doing over there? You know, I got some toys. Yeah, let's play. I just played it off really good. You know, I was like, okay, Should we missed, we dodged that bullet. Well, later on that night, after the kids had gone to sleep, I had some paint right here that I couldn't see. And she's like, hey, you got some paint on your arm there? What have y'all been doing? Started imploring me. What are you doing? Tell me what you've been doing. Um, well, you know. Without living, oh, that was, that was our, our, our surprise was over. She found out. I gave her all of the stuff that we had just painted for a week before Mother's Day. And it wasn't a big surprise. She was just kind of like, oh, yeah, whenever I saw the paint, I knew that y'all did something. Um, but without living life with me, she would have never known. If she stayed somewhere else, she would have never known. I could have done it all day, hit it, could have washed up, taken a shower, everything would have been gone. It's in that life on life, every day, or close to every day, living with someone, grinding with someone, doing life with someone, that we're able to find out what's really going on, what they're hiding. In the sin aspect, in the disobedience aspect, in life, the same is true with discipleship. I've actually learned more from just having deep life-on-life relationships with some wise saints than I ever would have if I would have just gone to coffee with them and picked their brain for a couple hours. It's that osmosis. That osmosis that you just learn. They just drop a seed on you. And you're like, whoa, that just blew my mind. That just blew my mind. And you don't even realize it until, you know, three or four weeks later. Whoa. What that guy said right there just took me just took me away. I've been chewing on that for three weeks now. I don't even understand it. We have to have life on life to be truly discipled. And this really means a time investment. Now, I'm not saying that you need to move in with someone to do life on life with them. Some, some of us, that does mean that we need to move in with, a, with someone to disciple us and to pour into us. That truly means that. The disciples left everything that they had. They came and they lived with Jesus. They slept where he slept. They walked where he walked. They ate what he ate. That's what they did. But what it does mean for most of us is that we have to be in, invested in a person's life and we have to spend intentional time with them on a regular basis. Intentional time. Intentional time. All right, we're going to move on to obedience. In John 14, 15 through 24, Christ tells his disciples that if they love him, they will obey his commands. 15 through 24, he says it three different times in those few verses. If you love me, you obey my commands. If you love me, you'll do what I say. If you love me, you obey my commands. Christ was speaking to us. He was speaking. He was trying to get something across. If you have children, then that you know, if, if you have children, then you know that when your children obey your commands, 
that it communicates love. Tell your kids, hey, don't pick that up. They don't pick it up. They're like, oh, man, he listened to me. That was good. Man, I, I, you know, I caught you being good. Here's a toffee. If he doesn't listen to you, it communicates disobedience, which is disregard, and it makes you feel disappointed and sad. I'll say it again. Disobedience communicates love, while disobedience communicates neglect and disregard for the person who gave you the commands. Whenever we're disobedient to what Christ calls us to, we are openly disregarding what he says, and we are neglecting him. Simple as that. Also, those people who are our disciples, same exact thing. We have to be obedient to Christ and his commands. When we read his word, there's always a command for us. God's word does not come back void. It comes to you. It speaks to you. It churns inside of you. And if you are listening to it, you will, read, you will, you will reap from it. It's a promise. When we read his word, there's always a command. It's something, it's sometimes for us to give up to sin. Other times it's to share with this person or come closer to me. His word, both his written and his spoken word, the rhema word of God. They both are words that call us deeper into relationship with him. And being obedient to that is our only way to get more of him. If you're stagnant in your walk with Christ and you feel like you're not receiving Jesus, I would ask you to see if you're being obedient to what he's called you to. Scan yourself. Ask God to scan you. Say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, please just scan me right now. Have you been calling me to something? Um, Tim's message, if you were here a couple weeks ago, um, right before Randy's funeral, was to lay aside every burden. Lay aside every burden. God had been calling me to lay aside a burden for about a year. Um, something that even Tim was, was talking about. He was saying, you know, burdens aren't necessarily bad things, but they're things that God's telling you to get rid of. Mine was one of my things that I was like, this is the only thing that I ever do for me. To be honest with you, I was reading comics. I love comic books. I do. I always have. And he said, stop reading comics. Devote yourself more to the word and prayer. I was like, God, you know, I'll do that, but I can also, I can, I can split that 50-50, you know, 50-50. Negotiating with God. Doesn't work. You ever run into a wall before? Doesn't work. So laying aside the burdens, and, and at, I, at that time, I was feeling quite, I, stu I stood up that day because Tim said, stand up. I'm being vulnerable right now. Um, I stood up that day and, he, and said, yeah, you know, I need, I need to lay this down. Anyways. Those are the, that's the word, not turning back void. And sorry, I went off on a tangent there, sorry. So sometimes he tells you to lay down this sin or to do something else. That's his command to you. You know, one thing that God does is he doesn't let you off the hook on that. He won't tell you to do something else if you're being disobedient. It's like my son, if I tell my son to pick up his toys and he says no, I don't let him just walk off. I say, boy, get over here and pick up your toys. If he doesn't pick up his toys, then it's okay. Now you're in timeout. If he gets done with timeout and he starts to walk up again, I say, son, get over here and pick up your toys. If he doesn't again, then it's a spanking. That's our, that's our rule. All right. So now he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't obey them. Then what does he do? He lays with those toys. You are not getting up off this ground until you start picking up these toys and put them in that basket. God is the same way. He does not let us off the hook. He won't give us something else. He won't tell us to do something else until we're obedient to what he tells us to do. 
Um, it says in Luke 16, he who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. God will give you more whenever you're obedient in the small things. And it will grow. And things that you think are small are actually big, which is amazing. And to be honest with you, it's really not that easy. But it's good. It's really, really good. We'll move on to accountability. Last but not least, really, is accountability. We need people to check in on our first three things. We need people to be checking in on us and saying, hey, you know, are you being obedient? I see hard parts in you and prideful, pridefulness in you. I see that. I see where you're not being submissive in this. And we need people to be kicking us around saying, hey, you're avoiding that person. That's the person you're supposed to be doing life on life with. That's what God called you to do is to do life with that person. Be with that person. They need to be asking us and asking us if we're learning and calling out in our heart and pride, in pride and heart spots. We need people asking us if we're being obedient to Christ and holding our hands through those times. The only way to hold us accountable is if we're really doing life on life together. You can't do it. Like I told you about Lee, she would have never known if I was hiding something. Like, really, if I'm hiding sin, she would have never known unless she was doing life on life with me or unless God revealed it to her, which he does. But all of this only comes to those through, it comes to us through vulnerability. There was a reason why I was vulnerable just a second ago in sharing something to some of you guys, which might be really silly. Tim said something about football for him. I was thinking maybe that was him that day. Probably not. For me, really, that was what it was, comics, as silly as that might sound. But it was hard. It is hard. Even today, it's still hard. Um, we have to be willing to let our walls down, to share our hearts, and to learn from those around us. Through a willingness to learn and live in community, we can be obedient to Christ and walk in accountability towards his commands. There are three ways to disciple. And these three ways are, is a way that we should be engaged in discipleship constantly, all of us. That's up, lateral, and down or behind. You can say in front, beside, and behind. Or, whoops, sorry about that. Let me, let me move you out of the way so I don't hurt you anymore. Um, up. Lateral and down. We need to be walking in these three ways. We just, up is we disciple those who are discipling us. We can all learn from each other. None of us is perfect. Each one of us makes mistakes. Only Jesus is perfect. So we use Jesus as our up. He's there. Everyone is following Jesus. But just as Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. So there are those people who you will be following who you should be following, who you should be grabbing onto their coattails and saying, please let me do life with you. Please. Now, Tim can't be that for everybody. He can't. That's why I said that earlier. I said, some people think that, oh, I'm, I'm being a disciple just by coming to church. There's great, great things in coming to church. We learn, we rub shoulders with the saints, we worship together. We are not supposed to be forsaking that. But church is so much more. We're the body of Christ whenever we leave this place. We're the body of Christ whenever we're in this place. We're the body of Christ whenever we're in our workplace. So we, we're, we're, we're leading up. We're discipling up. We're sharing with these people above us who, are, who, we're, who we're learning from. We're sharing with them. And they're learning from us. As they have a soft heart, they're learning from us as well. Lateral, we disciple to our peers who are on the same level as us. This, mean, this may be the easiest form of discipleship. Our friends, 
our family that are right there with us in that same spot. We're sharing, we're encouraging each other, we're building each other up. We're doing, as Paul said, a mutual encouragement of each other's faith. That's in Philippians. It says, I'm excited about the mutual encouragement of each other's faith. I hope to impart spiritual gifts on you, which I mean is a mutual encouragement of each other's faith. Um, yeah, we're doing those things. We're caring and doing all the four things that we talked about. Um, willingness to learn. We're living life on life. We're being obedient and we're holding each other accountable. Account- accountable. Accountable. Same thing. Accountable. We're doing that laterally. And down or back. That's grabbing onto those who are younger in the faith than we and pouring into them. This is what most of us think as a discipleship. The main way is I'm going to grab onto you and I'm going to pour into you. We are pouring ourselves out to the people who are younger, the next generation below us, just like Paul did with Timothy. Grabbing onto those people, pouring into them. If we don't fill up the next generation, then there will be no other generation. Understand that. Understand that, people. God just called my wife and I from, I said that we have, we have been working for the last 10 years to reach out and disciple um, people who've never heard of Jesus, make disciples of people who've never heard of Jesus. God just called us about two, a year and a half ago into pulling back and growing up the next generation of people coming to India. I want no part of that, to be honest with you. But in obedience to what Christ has called us to do, that's where we are, that's where we're going. Because if we don't train up the next generation, then there won't be a next generation. If we don't train up the nationals and the internationals who are coming to India to do ministry, who are just falling off one by one by one by one by one, then there won't be anybody. People will label India as, this, as the missionary graveyard. Just don't go there anymore. It's too hard there, which is what's already happening. We've talked to many different missionaries who say, yeah, don't go to India. Don't go to that part of India. It's too hard. It's too hard. Go to some other place. So what happens for the millions and millions and millions in India? They don't ever get a chance unless God shows up and all of his wisdom makes the rocks cry out. I don't know about you guys, but ain't no rock going to cry in my place. I'm going to glorify his holy name. I just got to sing it now. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give you guys a tool to do this a little bit easier. Um, this is what we use. Um, tra- if you guys could group up in groups of three, four, five people, just kind of turn around in your, in your area and group up into these little groups. I'm going to give you a little bit of tool. This is what we use to disciple people in India. This is one of the ways that, not, the way, not one of the ways that we disciple people. This is the way that we do disciple people. The ways that we disciple people before they've come into the faith. Ready? This is a way that we disciple people. Um, this is a way that we, that we do this. We usually, we usually do this train over three to four days, um, but we're going to abbreviate it, and we're going to do things differently. You're getting a piece of paper. It says DBS. This is called the Discovery Bible Study. This Discovery Bible Study walks through those four things that we just talked about, a willingness to, a willingness to learn. It walks through accountability. It walks through obedience. And it walks through... Um, my mind just left me. Say it again now. Life on life. There you go. It walks on life on life because you're supposed to be doing this with people day in, day out, walking through them with it. Thank you for that. Pick me up right there. Um, so yeah, we're going to do an abbreviated version of this. If you, if you cannot read the papers right now, just kind of focus in for just a second on me, then we'll get to reading the papers in just a second. I have some more resources for you after this if you want them. Um, this is just going to help you out in what we're about to do. 
Um, so this is also an, an excellent evangelism tool. Asking people to read the word of God with you is never a negative thing. Saying, hey, you want to sit down and read the word of God with me? Especially people who disagree with you. Hey, I disagree with you. Hey, I'm, I, we believe in the prophet Muhammad. We believe in Vishnu. We believe in Krishna. We believe in nothing. Sit down and read with me. Why don't we read the scriptures? If, you're, if you don't know it, then why not sit down and read with me? And if you're being a light to people and they're seeing that there's something different, then a lot of times people are very much willing to sit down with you and read. They are. Especially whenever you're not sitting there and teaching them. But when you're letting the word of God and the spirit of God speak directly to their souls, then they will be much more willing to continue reading with you. Nobody likes to be talked at, to be honest with you, especially people who aren't, who aren't believers. They don't want to be talked at. They don't. So let's let Jesus, let's let the Holy Spirit, let's let the word of God do the talking to him because it's much more powerful than we are. Okay, we're going to do this. I want you to remember three things. These are three things to remember. One, stick to the structure. Don't go outside of it. What that means is we're going to read one verse. We're going to stay on this one verse. Whenever you're discussing stuff and you're talking about stuff, don't pull stuff from other verses. Stay right here on this verse. Okay? One, because there might be someone around you who isn't as versed in the scriptures as you are, who might get lost and confused. Second thing, don't teach. Share. Share. You're not teaching. All you are is you're sharing what you're seeing and what you're hearing and you're answering the questions. Don't preach. Let the word of God do the teaching. Three, most important thing, be vulnerable and be willing to learn. Okay? So I'll be timing us just, to, just so that we get started. Um, we're going to skip questions one and two. And we're going to do a really quick three minutes on question three. Share what you are thankful for this week. Just everybody kind of go around the horn, say two things that you're thankful for this week. All right, go ahead. Time. Um, we don't have a whole lot of time, and there's a lot here to do. Um, the next one is share struggles that the group might help you with. This isn't prayer requests. This is struggles, things that have been hard for you. I'll share one for me. This is a point in being vulnerable. I'll share one for me. Um, God's been telling me to keep my phone away from me more often than not, but I'm still finding myself grabbing my phone and wasting time on it. Be honest with you, wasting time on it, reading articles, um, listen to, re reading sermons and listening to sermons. But what God is telling me to do is to put my phone away and spend my time with him. Come to the throne room, not come to someone preaching <laughs> or come to whatever, desiregod.org or ESPN.com or Fox News or whatever it is I'm, I'm looking at. That's my struggle. You guys can hold me accountable to that. You guys can say to me, Zach, what are you doing? Put your phone away. So in the, in the essence of vulnerability, I share that with you guys. So yeah, you guys got about five minutes to share, share what struggles that the group might help you with. Sorry to break it up. I like what I'm seeing. I like what I'm hearing. I like the vulnerability that some of you guys were definitely having. I appreciate that. Not everyone's having a struggle this week. Um, so yeah, it's a difficult question, and it comes and goes as you're spending time with each other. I'm going to read the passage out loud, um, but in a, in a typical DBS, 
you would be inside of your group and you would read the passage out loud two or three times. If you have your scriptures, you can turn to John 14. We're going to start reading in John 14. We're going to read John 14, 15. That's all we're going to read tonight just for um, time. It's a very, very, very long scripture. Um, So you're probably going to have a really hard time remembering it. Here we go. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I want you guys to make some observations about that passage for about three minutes. Make sure, make sure you're not speaking in paragraphs, but you're speaking in sentences so that everybody can, everybody can get a little bit of word in there. All right, you got about three minutes. Passage, two or three more times here, just so everybody can remember it. Um, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is Jesus speaking, just for all of you to know. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I would like for all of you to say this inside of your group, however many people are in your group, say it out loud to each other. You don't have to say the exact same words. You can use your own words, not your own interpretation, your own words to speak it out. Um, So it could be, if you obey my commandments, you love me. That's my own words, right? I just turn it around. It's not a very long one. It's much more difficult whenever it's really long. Um, so yeah, you guys all say it to yourselves inside of there. And if there's anyone, anything, anybody misses anything, then fill inside of the gaps for them. All right, you got about four minutes. Since that was really short, I want you guys to spend, this is, this is the meat of, of this thing. This is where the meat's going to come in. This is where God's going to speak to all of us. We've already heard the word. Now we're going to let the word speak to us. Without, uh, you didn't look at, you weren't supposed to look at your passage. I apologize. You weren't supposed to actually look at that, but it's really small. So you should have remembered it really easily. Um, the next one, we're going to ask a series of questions. I'm, I'm going to have you actually write in two questions in there. But we're going to not even go around the horn. Just two people inside of your group answer the questions. Um, so the very first one is, what does this passage teach us about God? What does this passage teach us about God? So take about three to four minutes talking about this. What does this passage teach us about God? Silence is okay if you need to think on that. But what does this passage teach us about God? Go. The next question. What was sweet in this passage, what did you like? What was good? What was good? What did you say? Oh, man, I like that. That was, that was what's up. What was sweet? Take about two minutes on this one. This one's a pretty easy one for this passage, I think. Write, write that question down on your piece of paper. Write this next question down on your piece of paper as well. What was sour or hard to swallow? What was difficult in this passage. Quite often the word of God is sweet and we like to find what's sweet in it, but we don't like to find what challenges us in it. I'll go ahead and answer this for me so you have a point of reference. What's hard for me in this passage is the inverse of it. What it implies if you don't 
obey. You don't love Jesus. So, yeah, get to discussing that one. Difficult part of this whole process, especially in the beginning, if this word is true, if these are the words of God coming from the mouth of God to his people and we are his children, if this is true, then how will you obey this teaching? We're going to make this an I will statement. An I will statement is something that is one, measurable, two, attainable, and three, able to be held accountable. So measurable, quantifiable, and doable. Crafted. God's word speaks to each one of us individually. One of the reasons why we want to share and we don't want to teach is because what God's telling you might not be what he's telling Brian. Might be what he, not, not what he's telling me. So an I will statement, off of, based on this passage, what God is telling me, this is just a... I would do my I will statement for you. You're going to craft this and help each other because you'll be like, I, it's, it's hard. Uh, you know, God's telling me I need to, you know, pray more. Okay, well, I will spend 30 minutes a day more praying. I will spend five minutes a day. Make it attainable. Don't, don't shoot for the moon. Shoot for something that you can do. Small steps of obedience will lead to further obedience. So here's mine. I will. I told you guys earlier that, that God has been telling me to set my phone aside. I will, based on this scripture of being obedient to love God, I will be on my phone for an hour a day or less. Right now, it's probably way more than that, to be honest with you. Um, so I want to set my phone to the side, and I want to be on it an hour or more less a day this week. Attainable for this week. It's quantifiable. This week, I'm going to do this, because if I can make this small step this week, then maybe next week, I can make an even bigger step. Maybe I'll just set it aside. Maybe three weeks from now, I just won't even keep a phone. You know? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying? I will. We're going to take about eight minutes on this one, because this one's the most difficult. Make sure that it's something able to be attained, that you can reach it. Make sure that it's... Yeah. Okay. I'll stop. I will. What's your I will statement? This might be a little bit easier on this passage right here. Say you're reading the creation story. You're reading the creation story. We've read it. What's God speaking to you in that? He's speaking to me that he's good. He's speaking to me that he's wonderful. He's speaking this. How do you craft an I will statement from that? Well, what's God telling you? What's he speaking to you? What was it about man? What was it about it? If this is true, then this in all scripture is breathed out by God and is used for teaching us, for reproofing us, for growing us, then there's something in there for us. This is the word of God we're talking about. So your I will statement might be something like, I will spend 10 minutes outside this week enjoying Jesus, enjoying his creation because it is good. I will this week, I will tomorrow. Maybe it's, I have to share this story with somebody. You know, I, Muhammad works with me at work. Mustafa, I always use Muslim names because we hang out with so many Muslims, sorry. Mustafa is hanging out with me at work, and, and I just want to share with him the creation story. I will, this week, share the story with Muhammad, or Mustafa, whatever his name is. Um, we're going to move to the next one. 
Sorry, I know that everybody might not have shared. Continue, craft it. Share it with the person after we're over. We're just losing our time here. Um, Number nine, who will you share this story with this week? Who needs to hear this? Who? Think about it. Who needs to hear this? Who are you going to share this with? Proactive. Disciples make disciples. You can't make a disciple if you're not sharing the word of God with them. So who will you share it with? Maybe a non-believer, maybe a coworker, maybe your child. That's what I'm going to share with my son who's been disobedient. Sheet on this. Um, but there's a second sheet. So write in this last question. This is the last question. It says, what challenges do you face this week? We're not going to answer that question right now because we're losing our time. But you would then sit and talk about the challenges that you face that week. And if you want to, you could end a prayer. It's not a have to. If you're with a bunch of non-believers, then maybe those non-believers don't feel comfortable praying in the name of Jesus. Maybe they do. Maybe that's all they want to come for was prayer. Um, but you would say, what challenges do you face? Jot those down. Pray for them. Can I pray for us? Can I not pray for us? I feel like we need to pray. So we're going to pray right now. One person inside of your group, give us about a three-minute prayer over the struggles and this passage that sat in your heart, the I will statements, because some of us are going to struggle with the I will statement that we just had. Um, I know I will. I feel like I'm already like, where's my phone? I'm missing it. Um, it's weird. I didn't have, a, cell, I didn't have a, a smartphone until about three years ago, and now it's like, and I didn't, I, I didn't have it for that reason. I didn't want it to be like on me. And now it's like, oh, so-and-so messaged me. I need, to, I need to take care of this right now. Oh, so-and-so's got this. I need to take care of this right now. Most of the time it's my wife, um, but you know. Being honest with you, I love her. She loves me. That's why she got to keep in touch with me all the time. Um, I'm going to get in trouble later. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, we're just, just elect one person in your group. Pray real quick, two, three minutes real quick over that, and then we're going to talk about all of this real quick. All right, go ahead. so much for being good to us. We thank you for your word being good and true. We thank you for your word speaking to us. Lord, we pray with each of us as we struggle, Lord. Um, This week, Lord, we pray that the struggle wouldn't be there. God, we pray that the struggle wouldn't be there. We just pray that we would be so in love with you, that we would be so much in love with you, that we would be so obedient to what you've called us to do, God, and that we would be your people and that you would be our, that we would be your bride and that you would be our um, bridegroom, God, because we love our bridegroom. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so that's your first time. You've now just done DBS. Everybody pat yourself on the back. Give yourself a clap. You, have, you just took part in discipleship. You just discipled one of the people around you, or you were discipled by the word of God or the things around you. You just led laterally, up or down. Was that difficult? The next time that you would meet together, 
with these people, whether it's a week, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's three days from now, you would start differently. You would start with the first question, which says, who did you share that story with last week? Now I'm holding you accountable. How did it go? You wanted to share the story. I wanted to share the story with my son. Did you share it with him? No, I didn't. Well, why didn't you? Uh, look, man, like you, you said this is what you were going to do. We got to be yes men. want to be yes. Let our yes be yes and our no be no. Let's be obedient. God told you this person needed the word. You're not, robbing, you're not just robbing you, you're robbing them. Think about that. You're robbing them from the word of God. You are taking the word of God out of their nest, keeping it. Okay? So now you held it accountable. The next question. How did you do on your I will statement? Did you do it? Well, Monday, I was on my phone for about three hours. Tuesday, I was on it for about 45 minutes. I did better. I corrected, you know, shifted. Um, Wednesday, I had a little bit of a relapse. So Javon comes over to me and says, Zach, I'm taking your phone from you. We're going to take your SIM card out. I got this old Nokia flip phone. I'm going to stick it in there. That's what you got for this week. That's what I need. I'm being disobedient to what the Lord spoke to me. I need my brother to hold my hand. I need my brother to help me. I'm being vulnerable. He is responding with that vulnerability, not as a jerk. He's responding to that vulnerability and holding me up and supporting me and helping me. You know what? I appreciate that. Actually, it's going to be hard for me, but I appreciate that. That's real. This is a tool. I would love for you guys to take it and to use it. I know so many of us struggle reading our scriptures. Just in our own home, we don't know how to read the Bible. We read it and we say, well, you know, my wife, my wife, Lee, um, if, anybody, if any of you guys know her before we got married, she would spend about three, four hours in the Word daily. She would start and say Matthew and end in Hosea and hit every book of the Bible all the way in between. That's not the way that I read the word. It's just not. I just can't do that. She just bounces around. Bam, 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 bam. I'm like, hey, where'd you start? She's telling me about it. Where'd you start? I started Matthew 28, but I got, you know, all the way over here. And I'm like, how did you do that? I just, the spirit just started bringing these verses out to me. You know the way that I read the word? I read a scripture. I stop. I pray. Sometimes I fall asleep. I wake up. I read that scripture again. I stop. I pray. I meditate on it. I'm being honest with you. I do. I fall asleep sometimes. Do, to be honest with you, falling asleep in the rest of God, and I'm not, I, don't, I don't say that for everybody. That's not okay. Um, but I, 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 that falling asleep for that two to three minutes is usually the most enlightening thing that God gives me in that scripture. It's almost like a, a vision time for me. It's not like, and I usually am not sleepy whenever I go into it. But as I sit with my eyes closed in front of God, quieting myself, it's almost like, like Zacharias, whenever he went into the temple and he just got that vision from God and the, and the uh, angel came and said, I ain't going to speak no more. Just where it is, or Isaiah where he fell. And I just kind of fall into this deep rest. And then I wake up and I'm like, that was good. I need to get back in that scripture. 
So when me and my wife, whenever we got married, we decided, decided we we're going to start reading the Bible together because that's what all great couples do. You sit down, you read the word together. At least is what I thought, right? Um, we'd sit down, and she, I'm also a talker, and she's a processor, so we were kind of in trouble there as well. We would sit down, and we would start doing this stuff, and it would we get so angry at each other. Look, you're being quiet, and you're falling asleep. How did you get from Matthew 1 all the way to Exodus 24? I just don't understand. Where did that come from? These are two completely unrelated places. We're talk, you're talking about letting the slaves go, and he's talking about Jesus being born. I don't understand. I don't understand. But whenever we put a tool in there, and we said, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to focus on this scripture. We're going to read this scripture. We're going to do it together. It was just better for us. So this can be for your own personal time. My own personal time, when I, when I do DBS, I don't do it all the time. But when I do DBS, I use my journal as my other people. I pen everything out. I write it all down. Now, like I said earlier, I have terrible handwriting, so no one can ever read it. It's in my own code. Um, it's what it seems like anyways. Maybe they should have had me as the wind talker. Anyways. Um, yeah. That's the, way, that's the way I do it. So if you're having troubles reading the scriptures, do DBS in your own home. Do DBS with yourself. Um, and honestly, what we did in, these, in this time period is we spent time together. We rubbed shoulders. We got real with each other. Hopefully, you guys got real with each other. Hopefully, you were doing life with each other. You were sharing. You were vulnerable. Maybe not as deep as if you would if this was the 30th time for you guys to do DBS together, so you're really in life with each other. You have trust. You've built that trust. You, held, you, you would hold each other accountable next time. Maybe you will even after this. Ask, text, say, hey, brother, hadn't seen you since Wednesday. Today is Sunday. How'd you do? Hope somebody asked me that. I won't be here this Sunday. We're preaching another church. But the next time you see me, I hope that somebody does ask me that. Hey, Zach, how you doing on putting your phone away? And you know, I might try to hide and be like, but I'll probably be honest with you. We were obedient. Obedience-based discipleship is what this is all about being obedient to what God's telling you, not to what I'm telling you, not to what Zach Cawthorn told you to do, but what God is telling you, what the scriptures are speaking to you, what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, the rhema word of God, the word of God. Um, yeah. And then we hold each other accountable. We spent time. We were willing to learn and we were vulnerable with each other. Hopefully you listened and you learned stuff from the people around you because everybody, the cool thing about the body of Christ is we're all different. That's why we probably all got different I will statements, but we all need each other. I have about 15 or 16 packets here, if anybody wants them. They're just a little bit more in-depth about what DBS is, how it all fits together, how it all works together, um, how to do it with unbelievers, and how to do it with people who have never been to church before, just different tips. Um, it's really easy to fall into being really churchy, and not that's a bad thing, but being really churchy to someone who's never been to church before gets really confusing, especially if they're of a different faith background. You get really confused. Um, I hope that you guys enjoyed this. Maybe another time we can go in de better depth and full fullness of this. I, I am a discipler. More than anything else, God has made me a, a discipler. It's my passion Second passion behind Jesus. And I pray that you guys have enjoyed this.
I pray that next time we can give you more tips. I pray that you guys use this without having someone to tell you to use it. I pray that you guys are discipling each other, that you're pouring into each other. There's a time to grab someone and say, hey, I want you to pour into me, and I'm going to do life with you. But a lot of this discipleship stuff is just lateral. It's us doing life on life. And inside of your groups, there might have been one person that everybody inside of that group was like, hey, this guy's the leader. This is the guy that we're learning from. Or there might have been a person in your group where everybody said, hey, we really need to pour into this person. Or there might have been everybody just like, hey, man, we're even. This is good. This is good stuff. Those are the ways we disciple. I'm going to pray for us and dismiss us. Is that okay? And if you want any of these packets, I can give them to you. And if you want any of my notes, I can give them to you. Or if you just want to talk about them, I can talk to you. I love to talk. Um, I do. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. You are good. You're a good, good father, God. You've given us the word. You've given us the spirit. You haven't left us as orphans, God. You have given us the spirit, the helper, to guide us, Lord. Lord, we just really have to come and cry out to you. You give us good things, God. And you've called us all to this mission of being disciples and making disciples. None of us are exempt from it. All of us have something to give to the body. All of us have something to give to someone else. All of us are to be searching that out. That's why we're to go out and we're supposed to share these stories. We're supposed to be evangelistic, God, going and making disciples. Not to go and put another notch in our belt, put another number and say, hey, you know, we did this. But God, because we love you, because you are God, you are our everything. We are devoted to you. We want to sit at your feet. We want to find you. We want to be covered in your dust. We want to do life on life with you, Jesus. Because if we're not doing life on life with you, doing life on life with other people just doesn't make any sense. It's not, not worth it. Everybody else is flawed. God, we want to be obedient to what you've called us to. We want to step in obedience. We want to be obedient, God. This obedience-based discipleship, God, is just the only way that you've called us to be. And more we, we truly, we want to be held accountable. We need to be held accountable, God, by you, your spirit, by your conviction, by our brothers and sisters. And more we just pray that you would please just soften our hearts, to bring down our walls. Lord, vulnerability is something that you've just, that you just made us all to be, God. We have to be vulnerable. We have to lean on each other. We can't do this walk alone. That's why it says in your word so many times they continued meeting together. Don't, don't forsake the brotherhood. Don't stop meeting together. It's because we have to do this together. We're a body. We're the church. We're not singular. We're not Zach. We're not Bob. We're not Jane. We're not Susie. We are the church. We are you. And all of us have a job in it. So God, I just pray for that, Lord, that you would give us all this body, to give us all this passion of knowing you and making you known, God, of, of growing other people up in the faith. Well, whether that's for weeks, for months, for years, for a lifetime, let us be obedient to it, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.